Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coffee and Convos podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I'm here at James Coffee sipping on a honey cinnamon latte with Kim of Kim Pose. She's a super talented watercolor artist and letterist here in San Diego. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Me too. So, Kim, I guess how this usually starts is me asking, like, what's your story and how did you get into what you do right now? Um, I've been listening to a few of these podcast episodes and everyone is like, I have a long story and a short story. I'm going to go with the long story. (laughs) So, um, I want to say I've been creative my entire life, you know, Mm -hmm. like starting from four years old, I was like drawing on whiteboards and whatnot. And, um, all through high school, I was definitely your typical Asian kid that took all the AP classes, but I also (laughs) was reserving all of my electives for all the art and creative classes so that was like my little creative outlet and um, my junior year of high school I took AP studio art fell in love thought I was gonna go to art school but then my parents told me that it wasn't realistic they were like you're not gonna make any money so I was like okay okay I won't be an artist instead I'll go to business school study marketing and I kind of just left that art world behind Um, After college, I had a full-on career in digital marketing for six years, and I realized that I wasn't fulfilling myself creatively over almost a decade, it felt like, and um, just wanted to pick that up again. So I started an Instagram account, because that was when Instagram was like really starting to take off, and just wanted to create something every day and I started out with brush lettering with Tombow pens so I have like a thousand Tombow markers and um, I just fell in love with it and there was just so much support from the community that I felt like maybe I can actually create finished pieces of art and maybe open an Etsy shop and so that lasted for I want to say six months and um, then I created my own store about a year into it, I realized that my marketing job was fun, but I wasn't like, I don't know. It just wasn't fueling my passions. I was yeah. waking up in the morning and I was dreading to go into an office for eight hours a day. So I, I had to quit and it was really, really scary because I didn't have a backup plan and I'm not that type of person that doesn't have a backup plan. Yeah. So I quit my job and was... Just on the fly, you just quit your job? Yes, I just quit my job. I mean, there were other, you know, extenuating circumstances that kind of fueled me to quit the job. But at one point, I was like, okay, forget it. Like, I'll figure it out. I'm pretty resourceful. Whatever, let's do this. Mm -hmm. So that happened. For three weeks, I was freaking out. But I had put all of my, I didn't put all of my eggs into one basket. I, you know, talked to a bunch of people, you know, tried to network as much as I could. And eventually I had a good amount of clients lined up and I was fine. And now that I have been doing this for about a year now, I ask myself all the time, like, why did it take so long for me to quit? Mm-hmm. And why was I so scared? Yeah. So, but I guess you don't know until you do it. <laughs> very true. Very yeah. true. And I could definitely relate because it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to dive into the freelance life a few months ago. And now that I am in it, I couldn't have expected or predicted my life to be the way it is right now mm-hmm. until I was fully in it. You know, you have some sort of idea like, okay, I'm going to have to get clients. I'm going to have to, you know, create my own network. But you don't truly know what that feels like until you're in, like, your toes are dipped in the freelance water. Yeah. And I feel like having that steady full-time job is almost a crutch. Mm -hmm. You know, people rely on it because they're like, hey, this is stable. I can you know, live my life on this, but is it actually making you happy? Yeah. So um, I, I had talked to other freelancers prior to quitting, um, and they were like, don't let that crutch weigh you down. Mm-hmm. You need to just do it. So I was like, okay, if you can do it, then you are empowering me to do it too. So long story short, that's how I got here. And it's been fantastic. I can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been freelancing for? Um, full-time for a year in wow. June so a little more than a year now 
That's so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, <laughs> as far as um, freelancing goes, because on Instagram, we see a ton of watercoloring and lettering. What kind of freelance work do you do? Um, when it comes to commission work, it's a whole slew of things. So people mm -hmm. will commission me for uh, watercolor paintings. Specifically, what's really popular right now are those house portraits. Yeah, people that's love so cool. commemorating their childhood homes or their first family home. Um, and so that has been a lot of fun. Um, but I also have been doing a lot of wedding-related commission work lately, so that has been a lot of fun. At first I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can work with brides. It's their biggest day of their life. What if I get it wrong and then like everything is ruined? Mm -hmm. But now that I've worked with a few brides, I've realized that they're all beautiful and so amazing that it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to make that big day a little more personalized mm -hmm. and creative and fun. I love it. Yeah. So you... How did you get back into like watercoloring and like stepping back into that space after being in that like corporate space for so long? I honestly just saw that it was so insta uh, so popular on Instagram that I had to try it because I hadn't picked up a paintbrush or at least specifically in watercolor since kindergarten because that's what you do in kindergarten you play with watercolor paints because it's easy to clean up. Yeah. Um, and so. I I picked up the paintbrush and fell in love with the medium because it was just so free and I felt that it just was able to communicate certain transparencies and things that I wasn't able to communicate with acrylic and I like that it, it's so easy to clean up I can just make a mess clean it up and nothing is ruined you know I live in an apartment I can't just like ruin a studio you know so <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's how I fell in love with watercolor. And I think I'm still learning a lot of techniques and a lot of methods. So I don't, I can't say I'm an expert, but mm -hmm. I definitely think that I have grown a lot in the last couple of years. Oh, you're so talented. Your work <laughs> is seriously so incredibly detailed. And I remember coming across your work, like sometime in the past year, I know like you did something with April and that was something that caught my eye and I was like oh this person's really cool and then Ian ended up like seeing some of your stuff like randomly at a market and like bought it for me and I was like do you even know who this is this is Kim like <laughs> I already follow her I know I was like oh, holy gosh it was just like such a small world moment and I was just like it's really cool to have connected with you and like even having your support because when I started freelancing, I remember I was just like, oh, just trying to like meet people who like understand this space and like trying to get the best tips and like understanding of how I can transition myself and prepare mm -hmm. myself for all mm -hmm. these like different moments of uncertainty. So you've been such a like integral part of that like whole transition in my life. And it's oh, really cool to so see. Happy. Oh, girl, like you're so inspiring. And it's, it's really cool to see that Kind of like what you said, um, a corporate career, a, nine, a typical nine to five is always going to be there and people lie on that crutch or like, you know, lean on that crutch all the time because it's stable. And it, what we were kind of talking about earlier, like it's so cool to be in the freelance space because you have complete control of your life. And it's just like, it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to like, yes, it is like your livelihood, yeah. but it's also like you have the ability to create the life that you want. Yeah, and I think the beauty of it too is that you get to say no to any project that you're like, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. You know, and with a regular nine to five and you're working for someone else, you can't do that. You can't say no to a project. Mm -hmm. At least when you're working for yourself, you can be like, you know what? This sounds cool, but this isn't my wheelhouse. This is not what I'm interested in and you can move on and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I really like about it, too. Because, you know, like, sometimes being a creative, you wake up and you're just not feeling creative sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And you're not forced into that little circle of creativity if you don't need to be. Very so, true. Yeah. Very true. We had a conversation, I think, sometime last week about how I feel like a lot of artists and creatives are perceived to kind of, like, have that starving artists like stigma mm -hmm. and I kind of want to talk about that I feel like 
I know so many, at least, like, honestly, all the people that I have talked to mm -hmm. on this platform, they're, like, freelancing or doing some sort of side project on their own. Yeah. <clears throat> and there are so many people out there who just don't think it's possible. And so many people out there who have that stigma about, oh, like, you can't afford to eat. You have to eat ramen, like, every <laughs> single day and stuff like that. Like, I kind of want to talk about that. Yeah. And... I honestly wish that there was a lot more transparency when it comes to that because despite us freelancers doing what we love and we're creating things and it's our passion, at the end of the day, we're, splitting, we're still putting in a lot of time and effort and energy and it's still work. Mm -hmm. And so I think because it's our own passion and our own work, we tend to evaluate that at you know a lower rate than we should have because we're just so self-critical. But I feel like there needs to be more conversations about how we need to empower ourselves to really value our work where it needs to be. And I think um, when we were talking last week too, we talked about how like there just needs to be education around what is the cost of our work like how much is this you know, how much should we be charging people and mm -hmm. I don't think enough people talk about that yeah. and I don't want to be a starving artist like come on you know right. no one no one wants to be a starving artist everyone wants to be valued what they're worth and um what I don't know what that means as far as a solution but I think creating your the community that you're creating and talking about it, I think it's just creating more transparency around the topic. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> no, it's like 100% true. I feel like people need to be educated on like, oh, they want a certain thing to be done, but they yeah. don't have the skill or maybe can't like, afford like seeking out an artist or a photographer for, or whatever they need. But they know they want to get that done and they expect this whole like, oh, well, I'll pay you like $20. That's like my budget or something, you know, something yeah. so ridiculous when, like you said, like, I don't think people understand that people are pouring their heart and soul into the things yeah. that they create. Yeah. And like all of the detail work that you do on like your watercoloring paintings mm -hmm. and stuff, like especially for commissions, like I can't even imagine how long that would take. So it's much longer than you would expect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, good to know. <laughs> and I would just hate for people to think that like, oh, okay, well, if I wanted to get something like this done, yeah. like, oh, it's so easy. Yeah. And I hate that. I mean, not to bang on the big corporations, but I hate that like big companies like Target will recreate like all this trendy stuff like macrame you know macrame right. takes a lot of time and I go into Target and I see like these macrame wall hangings for like $30 and I'm like oh right. my god that makes me so upset because these artists who actually put in the time to create it like it they don't have a machine to do this mm -hmm. <laughs> and so if you're going to be buying it from someone who's hand making it you should just expect to pay, be paying more that's, that's the end of the story that's, that's all it is you know, if someone yeah. is putting in the energy to personalize something for you and putting in all those personal details that you want, mm -hmm. that all takes time and effort. And that means that that artist should be compensated for it and compensated mm -hmm. fairly because everyone wants more than just ramen for dinner. <laughs> Very true. Like you want to go out and eat delicious ramen. I mean, um, the good ramen. The good sure. ramen. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So as far as. Let's talk about like re representation in this space because kind of like what you we were talking about earlier about how just like Asian Americans, I don't think we're seen as, I don't know, there's like so much portrayal in the media that's not... What portrayal? We don't have exactly <laughs> That doesn't exist. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, let's just talk about like representation in space for especially women, women of color mm -hmm. and... Um, us being in this space, especially as freelancers? Um, I think it's really tough. I think it's really tough connecting with people not of color when you're someone of color. I don't know if it's just me and my experiences, but that's how I feel. Um, I feel like I need to elevate myself in a certain way mm -hmm. to connect with them. But I've also found my tribe and my community 
And there are a lot of creative women of color who are doing fantastic work and I think that they're not being seen and it like I don't know why it frustrates me so much but then there are also some people who are killing it mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know um, her Instagram handle is home uh, home sweet home oh yes oh my gosh oh my gosh love her work I love her work so much and but then she does the she's like um, super inspirational like, yeah yeah she's so freaking cool yeah but I feel like you know growing up as I was born here in the States and my parents came from the Philippines mm -hmm. and I was always ingrained to have that like oh my gosh I was always taught like okay if I want to be successful I have to pursue a specific career yeah right like I have to be a nurse I have to be a doctor I have mm -hmm. to be a lawyer or now a computer like computer science engineer yeah. or something and I'm just like None of those things interested me at all. And I feel like, especially going into college, it was tough for me. I went in undeclared and thinking that, like, okay, maybe I will, like, pursue something in the science or whatever department. And honestly, like, when I did declare my major, it was communication. And, like, nobody understood that. Yeah. Nobody understood what, like, pursuing communication was. And, yes, it is a broad topic. But for the most part, it's, like, my skill is in creating these communities with the relationships I make because I communicate well right you know so like my whole the only reason why I really pursued that was because if I were to pursue PR or marketing or you know anything around that like business realm like I would fit mm -hmm. and I would understand how to communicate but whenever like um, I think that stigma like my parents would always be like oh yeah she's gonna be on the news like that was like their immediate reaction and it was just like no you guys oh like I don't want to be on the news I don't like and when I had my graduation party like three years later mm -hmm. it was just like one of those things like hey yeah I graduated and then like everyone was just asking like where are you gonna pursue now like no one understood that and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same way with like art and like the whole creative realm yeah and it's so weird to me I I think I agree. I mean, like I said, when I was younger, I thought I was going to go to art school. My parents told me that it was a bad idea. And then um, when I went to business school, it was like, okay, it was just like, okay, you're fine going to business school, but we're not expecting a whole lot out of mm -hmm. it, um, which kind of sucks, you know? I mean, growing up in an Asian household, I think getting that support from your parents is really important because mm -hmm. you respect them so much. Exactly. Um, but I feel like a lot of Asian parents aren't very vocal in their support. It's more, they'll they'll support you when they're talking to their friends. Exactly. <laughs> and like, that's exactly not to you. it. Like, yeah, in your, yeah. to your face, they'll be like, you're not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's so true. Um, and I think when I went and... I felt like every time I talked to either one of my parents about my career, it was always like, how much are you making? Are you getting the right benefits? Are you like taking care of yourself? Are you eating properly? And it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm fine. I've been yeah. on my own for a while now. Like I feed myself, I'm, I'm fine. And I don't know <laughs> how, and then me deciding to quit it all and pursue mm -hmm. art, oh my god, they, I'm pretty sure they lost their minds, but like never outwardly told me. They but were I'm, just like, ah. I, I know that they're <laughs> concerned. They were definitely really concerned about mm -hmm. my well-being. And I even till this day, like I've been doing this for a year now, and I feel like every month I talk to my mom, and it's always like, Mom, I'm okay. The bills are getting paid. I'm saving. I'm investing. I have medical insurance. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> and um, I think they just want the best for us, mm -hmm. you know. Very and true. they're coming from, my parents are from Vietnam. So coming from like a pretty third world country, they came over here thinking that the American dream means that you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, whatever, mm -hmm. to make that dream work and buy a house and have happy children and all that stuff. But I think that what they don't realize is that we grew up in a really, really different environment and we can navigate the environment just fine, mm -hmm. you know, without having that quote unquote American dream, you know? Very true. Yeah. Um, 
But I get I get where they're coming from too. You know, they went through a lot. I don't know what your parents' stories are, but I mean, my parents had to escape war essentially, and my mom was in a, a refugee camp in the Philippines. My dad was like one of those boat escapees that like was out in the middle of the ocean for days, not knowing where what was going to happen to him. Wow. And somehow they made it over here, and they had us. So I have to thank them for that at the very least. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. I love that story. I think, like, as far as my parents go, it was very, I under, like, I know they're very understanding, especially, like, in the transition that I'm in right now, they're like, okay, they do just want to make sure that you're doing okay. But thankfully, like, even though we don't see eye to eye sometimes, it's still, like, hey, I'm doing something that I love. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's so funny because, like, my parents are actually very creative in their own right, too. Like, mm -hmm. my dad... He loves building and doing like carpentry work and stuff like that. That's like so he awesome. built a shed in the backyard with his two hands and like there's lighting in there. There's like a whole, it's like a whole little house behind their house. And my mom, she bakes all the time. So yeah. it's just like, I know they understand where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. but it's very tough to have that conversation too. I yeah. feel like my parents, they're, they're all about tough love. They never actually tell me like things <laughs> to my face <laughs> in the same way. It's so always like some critical thing. Like right? you put on some weight or, exactly. oh my God, I'm like, mom, oh, no. every time you tell me that, it's like a steak through the heart. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. thanks mom. <laughs> I'll try next yeah. time, you know. Yeah. I'll do my best. <laughs> just like crying in the corner. I know, I'm just oh, crying gosh. in the corner. Yeah. Like. Uh, but yeah, like I really do love that you really like owned your story and like you're able to create the path that you want to like what were some challenges like transitioning into the freelance space especially because you just kind of dove into it and you're like yeah. okay I quit and like this is what I want to do and after you know um biggest challenges there were so many what can I Okay, so one of the, th the things that I definitely don't recommend is jumping into freelance like I did with no plan. <laughs> uh, just because I felt like I was scrambling and I'm an over planner. And so I think because I am an over planner, when I did something like this, it made me really work, you know, day and night to try to figure something out. And unless you have thick skin, I don't think that it's, it's for you, you know? You mm -hmm. have to be able to accept rejection, accept that people are going to be cheap and they're not going to want to pay you, and then you have to learn when to move on from that. And um, I mean, I still do some freelance marketing projects on the side, and it has definitely helped me through times where I didn't know if I was going to be okay. So um, sometimes I do have to lean back onto the marketing crutch, but it's fun stuff for me, so I don't mind it too much. But I definitely would love to be like 100% creative all the time. Mm -hmm. um, another challenge is definitely like navigating the whole legal and tax yeah. aspect of it. And I think that you know everyone just jumps into entrepreneurship and think like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, like there's a lot of things that you need to like navigate through and be knowledgeable about because yeah you can make all this money but if you're not saving it to pay your taxes at the end of the year you can be in deep shit mm -hmm. um and I learned that last year when I did my taxes and I was like oh fuck I gotta pay like six thousand dollars in taxes oh my god yeah. but I mean luckily I did save so it wasn't that much of a huge impact but I just thought, oh my God, what if I didn't? You know, I would be in really deep trouble right now. So I think that was another thing to, um, another challenge to work through. And then also just figuring out the things that you're just not good at. Um, mm. <laughs> I am not good at accounting. Despite being a business major and studying all of those things in business school, I'm not good at accounting. And so I had to learn real hard that I needed to just outsource it and hire someone to do it for me because mm -hmm. I'm wasting my time and energy trying to figure it out when I could be doing other productive things. So yeah, figuring out what you're bad at and outsourcing it, that way you can focus your energy on other things because you have the same amount of hours in the day as everyone else, mm -hmm. so you need to maximize that as much as possible. 
especially if you're doing it on your own. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What would be your biggest advice for someone who, aside from like having a plan, mm -hmm. what if they want, like there are people out there that mm -hmm. I know who want to, you know, pursue the entrepreneurial life, but they don't even know where to start. They don't even know like what they would want to pursue. They look into like these random things that end up being pyramid schemes or whatever, yeah. you know, like there's so many different routes and I feel like there's some people who are still in the middle ground, like, hey, like I'm not happy at my corporate job. I know I want to leave. I don't want to like necessarily switch to another job. But if I were to freelance, what do I even like even look for um, or even start doing? I think for me, it's really honing in and taking the time to say, what are my values mm -hmm. and what makes me happy? And once you kind of once you can define those things, I think it'll be easier to figure out what a freelance or entrepreneur uh, opportunity would be for you. Because if you don't know what you're doing, like you're going to be running around in circles. You need to figure out what your focus is. So, um, I so I. I'm well, I connect with Katie from Hatch Collective. I don't know if you know her, but she's really, really great in terms of like determining what that focus is. She's out in, uh, in Normal Heights in San Diego. But um, when I had first quit my job, she was one of the first people that I had turned to just to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try to figure it out. And she was just like, hey, I've been doing this for 12 years. This is what you need to do to to figure out what fulfills you. So um, she still offers that as a service and I'm like not sponsored by any way. I just think that she's helped me so much and so she could definitely help anyone else who's in a tough find. Um, but I think she, the exercises that she puts you through definitely helps you figure out what you need to do next. Even if it's just something simple like I just need to declutter my life of toxic things. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just as a starting point for yourself. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I've always kind of turned to, I didn't really know, like, what, I, I know what value I bring, but I don't. I know that, like, when it comes to what people always ask me about, it's always, like, blogging or, mm -hmm. like, how you started, you know, pursuing a different platform. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but see, that's the thing. I don't think that blogging is the answer for everyone. Yeah. Because I hate writing so much. <laughs> and so like, I could never become a blogger, but there's so much advice out there. That's like, oh, you need to start blogging. You need to have like all this content. And I'm like, that's not the only way that you can reach people. I think mm -hmm. it comes down to like, what is your thing? And what is the best way to reach people with your thing, you know? <laughs> and what would you say that is for you? Um, I mean, obviously, my art is very visual. And mm -hmm. so I needed to find a way to, you know, reach people visually. So Instagram has been like a game changer for me. And, um, and I think, too, connecting with people one-on-one -on -one and in person has been a huge impact on my artistic career because once people get to talking you know once you talk to someone and you create those relationships people realize that you're more than just like an Instagram personality you're mm -hmm. a real person and they're more likely to work with you you know and reach out to you and think of you for upcoming projects or something that they have coming down the pipeline or whatever it is you know they're more likely to be like hey I remember Kim because I talked to her one time yeah. in person I don't know. I think connecting with people is really important. Despite my introvert qualities, I am such a recluse sometimes. There are days where I'm just like, I'm just going to stay at home for a few days and not <laughs> talk to anyone. But I know what it need, what I need to do to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. And I force myself to do it. <laughs> well, you've not only put yourself out there on Instagram, but also through like doing workshops and hosting these yeah. workshops to actually like teach people and motivate people to pursue like a different you know yeah I definitely think that everyone is creative mm -hmm. at least in some aspects and if they want to learn how to watercolor or brush letter that they should they should try it out and I've talked to so many people who have take my, taken my workshops and they've said um, I don't have a creative bone in my body I can't do this and I'm like well one 
No, that's not true. Two, you signed up for this workshop, so you are creative. And three, your work is going to be beautiful. And at the end of the workshop, I've never seen a bad painting come out. And it's not because of me. It's not because <laughs> I like was this game changer for them. It's because they've had it all along and I just helped harness it a little, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, connecting with those people have has been really helpful in terms of my growth, too. And so... Um, lately, if I've only reached San Diego uh, residents as far as my workshop uh, perimeter has been, but um, I definitely want to reach more people, so I've already told you, but just so everyone listening can know too. I'm working on online workshops for watercolor painting and other fun tutorials, so I have just finished filming and um, doing the voiceovers for my floral watercolor workshop that is going to be online. And I'm hoping it's going to be available, if not by the end of June, the beginning of July. Nice. So that's my hope. My boyfriend Christian is editing it, and I don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> I go through the same issue sometimes. I have a boyfriend who's a video editor and does video work too, and there's just something about, like, you don't want to force them to finish <laughs> stuff because you're like, I know I'm not like paying you, but yeah. And you know. it's like, I know you have your own thing, but can you please work on my project? <laughs> I know it's such a weird thing to ask, but um, I totally feel you on that. I know I'm excited because we're releasing a video series. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. So I don't know. I guess this might be the first announcement, but um, so we're doing a video series on top of this podcast. Um, where a lot of the coffee shops have a story to tell. And the one thing that we wanted to do was capture that, but visually. Oh so the best gosh. way was through video. And we've done, we're doing a few, and that'll probably release sometime maybe in August, maybe like in time for the event. Who knows? But um, yeah, so he's been helping out with that. Iman's been doing the audio for that. So like, I don't know. We're just like this big old team that like that's so much fun. Yeah, and it's cool. Like I think instead of having it, you know, having them tell their story through a podcast, we really wanted a way to capture that and Visually. like yeah. have kind of like a documentary style series mm -hmm. where you know they actually walk us through like if they do roast their own beans, where do they roast it, and like you know where do they get their inspiration? Like being in this space like right now, like I love James Coffee. And it's changed so much over the last like few years. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, like they've expanded to over four different coffee shops now. And like, you know, getting to capture that through video is super cool. So wait, where have you been already? Mm, is that a secret? I kind of dropped a hint right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we have a few, there's one that is in Point Loma, which is really cool. And then like Ian's been capturing some really cool content and like gathering that too. But basically just like mostly local coffee shops, but we would eventually love to like do, take it outside of the San Diego space and yeah. like, you know, kind of make it more How of a thing elsewhere. How awesome would it be if you were able to go to the coffee plantations That's where what they I get their do. coffee from? Yeah, Ugh. I wanna do a trip to Guatemala Yes, and like, check out the coffee farm is there because I hear that a lot of like a lot of people don't really know this but like the coffee industry is made up of like mostly women you know women who grow coffee beans and I like they're the farmers yeah I remember I heard that statistic sometime last year and I was just like I had no idea and it's just like you know we get our hands on it and we roast it a specific way or whatever but um yeah, coffee is just so special, and That's I so would awesome. love to like even go I love beyond. Coffee even more now. Yeah, <laughs> and there does need to be like the only other like women-owned coffee shops that I know of are like Camille Coffee here, mm -hmm. and I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's like super cool. I love coffee and like getting to learn more like about like each coffee shop, and then even like I would love to take it down to that line one day. We were talking about possibly going to Guatemala soon, but I don't know how soon that would be. 
you, girls, you should just do it. <laughs> I should, yeah. But I know that there's like a lot of stuff going on there, and well, just like, I actually, um, I went to Costa Rica a couple of years ago, mm. and they have a ton of coffee um, plantations down there too. And I actually got to tour one when I was down no there. No way, that and is so cool. And they took us through the whole process, and it was really beautiful and very interesting. But you should definitely try that out at least. Costa Rica is one of the safest places oh, to travel. Oh my gosh! So. Okay, I would love that. That's and it's not cool. too far. No? Okay. That sounds fun. There are deals out there. You can, <laughs> you can go down there for a really affordable price. <laughs> Look at you. I'm like your travel agent now. Like, I know, no. I would here. love that. Please. <laughs> like, you'd have to tell me all the places to go once I do go to Costa Rica because that's like, I want to go everywhere. But it's just like, you know, also being on this like freelance life. Like, oh, yeah. That was something that I had to prepare for was like, I can't travel as often as I normally would have. I remember like jumping on a plane like not jumping on a plane like literally yeah. but like being on a plane was it it wasn't last year but like in 2016 I was on a plane like 11 times and I was like I literally went somewhere mm-hmm. like if not every month every other month that and just like wonderful. got to travel and it was like one of my favorite things and that's also why I was at my corporate job for so mm-hmm. long because I was like it gave me that crutch to be mm-hmm. like, okay, if I want to travel. But now it's like a little bit more difficult because it's like even planning as far ahead as like a month, it's like kind scary. of difficult. Yeah. I think it's because you're still kind of new on I your am. journey. And it's, it's a little scary because you're like, I don't know what next month is going to be like. But um, I think for me, isn't it so backwards? You think that you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to be freelance and you're going to be able to go wherever you want anytime you want. Right. But realistically, you're actually just working 100 hours a week. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that for me, I don't like traveling alone, and so like for I've been waiting for Christian to like get his his whole situation figured out, and then we can travel together. But um, I haven't traveled in two and a half years, and that has been so heartbreaking. So this year, I had made I had resolved to to do some traveling. So nice. I've already like booked some things on the calendar, and it's like really far out. But I think once you just book those tickets it's okay you're like I'm gonna figure it out no matter what you know maybe you can't go on the fly but at least if you book it six months in advance you can kind of prepare yourself yeah for prepare that. yourself for it and be like all right I already know I, I have this on on my books mm-hmm. you know so where are you going then <laughs> um it's actually a, a quick family trip with me and um, Christian's side of the family his grandma is turning 90 and so wow. she's flying over from the Philippines and wants to party with all of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's so cool. lively. As a 90-year-old, she's, oh, like, man. sipping wine and what? just partying with us. Yeah, it is hilarious. I, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so she is coming to the States in, for, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then mm-hmm. the day after Christmas, we're going to fly to New Orleans and then take um, a cruise from New Orleans to Cancun. What? And we're going to do that for a week. And then by the time we get back, it'll be New Year's Eve in New Orleans. And so we're going to celebrate New Year's Eve there and spend a few extra days and then fly back to San Diego. But, yeah, it's a quick little trip. And then I have a few other things, like I have a wedding in San Francisco that I'm going to. Nice. So we'll stay a few extra days just mm-hmm. to hang out. Um, but it's like my my moment to, like, unplug and not worry about client work so I'm like really excited for those moments <laughs> Yay! no that's so exciting man I don't even know when the next time I'm traveling is but I'm definitely like looking forward to manifesting New York because I think like that's what's calling me next but um yeah oh my gosh yes I know I went for the first time two years ago and it was like a solo trip and like, it was, like, another one of those things. Like, my parents were terrified for me for going alone. <laughs> yeah, but I was just like, I'm going to be fine. Like, I stayed in an Airbnb in Brooklyn. would take the L train to Manhattan, mm-hmm. meet with, like, people that I actually connected with for Coffee and Convos That's at the amazing. time. And, uh, yeah, and they've been, like, good friends, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. I feel like the things that are, like, so acceptable now were necessarily acceptable like 10 years ago yeah like meeting people on the internet <laughs> I know like, and <laughs> traveling alone like I remember when Taken was a thing and like yeah. my parents would be like terrified if I were to even 
like leave the house or something. Yeah. That's so funny when you say it's not acceptable because when I was um, in sixth or seventh grade, AIM was a huge thing. Like you were just always instant messaging your friends, right? Yes. And so I wanted to be like my friends and chat on AIM with mm -hmm. my friends. And my parents were like, no, you're not allowed to go on AOL online. You cannot message anyone because they think that you're just talking to strangers. And right, so exactly. I, like, ah. I got to... I had to sneak at like two in the morning. No to like, way yeah. to chat on AIM. Yeah. That's so funny. Do you remember your username? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I no, because I felt like I changed it so many times. Yeah, wasn't that cool? Like you could actually change your username yeah. to like whatever you wanted so easily. Oh man, it's I so remember funny. just how embarrassing I feel like mine was. I don't even. And to think that I had a Zanga where I blogged about Girl. my 13-year-old life. Same. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like, yeah, 12 or 13, and then like you know you'd spend like hours going through like different threads of like how to customize it. Like I had that like cursor that would trail like sparkling <laughs> things and like pop-ups yes. and like all these random things going on and like music playing in the background. Yes. I learned basic coding because of Zanga and Same. MySpace. Same. And I'm so thankful for it because it's actually really useful in this day and age. Um, but if it wasn't for that, I probably would have been pretty useless when it comes to web coding. <laughs> oh my god. I was definitely that um, that person on MySpace that like had a custom layout and like you yes. couldn't comment. You could see like my top eight maybe. And then there was like just flat layout you can't really click through that's all you get and oh I was very private gosh, that's yeah. so funny I'm just imagine like I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining that and I'm like getting taken back to like all the stuff I would do like even like when you had like a tumblr and you mm -hmm. could you could customize that too and just like sorry you can't save my photos or like you know yeah. you can't like right click or like something mm -hmm. like will pop up and then like I don't know that is so just funny. like all these weird random things Oh, wow. Reminiscing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually forced me to learn Photoshop, too. Really? So, yeah, my, the MySpace era has impacted my like later life a lot because <laughs> I learned Photoshop, I learned coding, and it has been so helpful now. That's so crazy. Yeah. See, I love that. Like how little things from yeah. like our past completely like help propel us a little forward in our like current lives, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I don't know. I always thought, um, like, I never, like, this was, like, before, like, blogging was, like, huge, and, like, now everybody wants to be a blogger or whatever, and, yeah, I just remember, like, writing, like, like little diary posts, like, oh, today I hung out with so-and-so, or, like, you know, but no one cared. Like, yeah. You could just freely put your stuff out there and didn't care who saw it mm -hmm. or, like, whatever. And then, like, looking at the blogging space now and how much it's grown and just, like, how people now have their own domain yeah. on the Internet. Like, that's... You're not legit so unless you have exactly. your own domain. Honestly, though, <laughs> thank you. Because that was something that... Um, like, if a business were to reach out to me and then they don't attach, like, a website, I don't consider them legit. Like, and it just seems sketchy. It, for you know? me, it's like buying a domain takes literally two minutes mm -hmm. and if you're not willing to put that effort into your business like mm, and it's, it's so cheap yeah. too like you yeah. purchase a domain for like seven dollars or something yeah, crazy. a year or yeah. like literally whatever it is like but i don't know i feel like going on the topic of like how to be like a legit business because you're kind of touching on this earlier mm -hmm. too um, aside from like the legalities, what are some other like tips or like things that you feel are necessary for someone to take their business to the next level? Um, so for me, it's really understanding what your brand is. You know, just like how when you start your business, you have to know what your values are. So for your business, like what are one of the biggest values of your business? 
And then understanding also like what are the brand guidelines? And I think that like establishing mm -hmm. that beforehand makes a world of difference when it comes to your communication to your audience, like how you appear to your audience. That way you're not like all jumbled, you know? And so once you actually have it on paper, it's much easier to follow through and establish yourself as a business than if you were just to try to figure it out all nilly willy. And, um, and I think that a lot of part of being a business owner is being flexible and being able to change all the time. But I think having some sort of guideline and plan helps at the very least. Like you have to be able to pivot when you need to, mm -hmm. but don't be, don't be like completely carefree, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, I like that advice. Yeah. Thank you. I know. I was like, I felt like you were talking to me. I was like, okay, I'm going to take, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, whenever I go through like logo designs with people, mm -hmm. I have a whole branding questionnaire. Like, nice. you know, I ask them like, what are three words that are resonate you or mm -hmm. resonate with your brand? You know, who do you want to talk to? And what types of people are they? What are they interested other than what you offer? Like, how are you different from the people that are offering the same things as you? And that way I can really establish what that look and feel needs to be, mm -hmm. you know? That's really cool. And among the work that you do right now, what would you say is like your favorite? Like, is it watercoloring? Is it hand lettering? Um, I love watercolor. I can't, I don't think there will ever be a time where I'm like, I don't want to paint anymore. So there, that's definitely that. But I think I really enjoy the projects that I've never done before. Those excite me the most, I think. When people approach me about things that I have never tried, it's scary. But I'm like, oh, I think I, I, think I can do this, you know. Um, I was approached to do a wall mural. Mm -hmm. And um, it was at a new Airbnb house. And... It was really scary because I had never done something like that before. But when I got done with it, I was like, oh, my God, I need to do like 10,000 more murals, you know. And um, I also have um, I've been approached for book illustrations. And what? so that has That's been so really cool. interesting. So um, I don't know, like when it comes to like new projects that are a little scary, I think that is the most exciting part of my job. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. You always get out of your comfort zone somehow. Yeah, and it's a learning experience too. Because then you can also figure out, oh, maybe you don't like it. <laughs> very true. You know, very true. and you don't know until you try. So, I love that piece of advice. Um, what are some words of wisdom that you would give to someone who wants to pursue like watercoloring and lettering? Words of wisdom. Um, I would definitely say, try to keep learning all the time because. I think once you get to a point where you're like, oh, I'm fine where I'm at, like really you're not. You know, you need to always try to learn new techniques or incorporate other mediums. And then um, when it comes to actually building a business for it, like talk to people who follow you. I ask questions to my audience all the time. Like, what would you rather see? Would you want to see process videos or do you want to see finished products? Or yeah. do you want tutorials or do you want, you know, um, XYZ blog I don't know but I, I talk to them all the time that way I can say okay I've talked to you I can create these things that cater to you guys mm -hmm. and that way you know I can benefit from it too <laughs> yeah yeah definitely awesome I think we're getting close to wrapping up but before we do one of the last questions that I always ask is who would you have coffee with Oh my gosh, that's like a if hard you could have question. coffee with anyone in the world, because I love having these conversations with, like you and yeah. like pretty much everyone else who's been on this platform already. But I think it's always so interesting to hear like who you'd want to have coffee with, like dead or alive too. Like it's not anything super crazy. Um, this is really cheesy, but I would love to have coffee with. Hayao Miyazaki, mm. I think getting into his brain would be amazing. And I love his work so much, and I think I would totally fangirl. But <laughs> that would be pretty epic. No, oh I think gosh. that would be amazing. I love um, that. Because he, 
I like to compare Studio Ghibli to like the Disney of Japan, mm-hmm. and but the difference between the Disney like Studio Ghibli films and Disney films is that the women and the female characters in his movies they're never like. I feel like they're never really in need. They always figure it out for themselves for the most part mm-hmm. versus like a princess being in distress and yes, having some kind true. of knight in shining armor like saving them. Like his stories are very female focused but they're also very empowering. And so I just wanted to see like because Japanese culture is very different from that. Mm-hmm. From at least from my perspective. I'm like losing my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like the Japanese culture, like I, from what I've heard, I can't say that I know for sure, but it always feels very male-driven, and so for their animations to be very, or at least his animations to be very female-driven, I kind of want to be like, how did you come up with this storyline? You know, how did you come up with these very whimsical characters and themes? And I don't know. Like, I would love to get into a creative mind like that. That would be really cool. Yeah. I would love to be there for that, too. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay here and listen to you guys chat. <laughs> That'd be pretty epic. Yeah. What What's yours? Um, I've mentioned this before, but it would be Donald Glover. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like he's so multi-talented, and there's so many people who are always like, hey, stay in your lane type of thing, mm-hmm. like hone in on like your one specific thing. But he's so good at everything, you know? Like, when I first was introduced to his work, he was a comedian. Yeah. Like, for the most part. And then, like, he became an actor. And then he's in music. So, like, him being in these different spaces and also having, like, a huge degree to back him up. Like, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that was just, like, I think his, like, motivation and drive and just, like, his unique perspective. Because he's not just, like, any actor. He's yeah. not just, like any comedian I think it's really cool kind of like what he brings to the table so that was just like something that I've always dwelled on but there's like a ton of other people like I would love to have conversations with but he's one of them for sure he's like my yeah. top number one I mean Beyonce too like let's be real yes. <laughs> have you listened to their new album no I it's, have not, it's but I, it's been on my list of things to do. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely have to squeeze that in when you have, like, a don't leave your house day and just, like... It's not on Spotify, is it? It is. Oh, it is? Yeah, they just... Um, I think okay. they put it on there, like, pretty much a few days after okay. they released on Okay, because I remember, like, they were, like, anti-putting their music on Spotify for a little bit there because oh, yeah. of title. Yeah, title. Yeah. Eh, well... I'm like, no one's using it, though. <laughs> There are people out there who use it, which is so interesting because I'm just like, I never knew the hype until like the reasoning behind it. I guess it's just like higher quality music. No, I totally understand. And I understand that like for higher quality that you need to pay for it. But um, I just, I think I just wanted to listen to it on Spotify. It's just (laughs) so convenient. (laughs) It is. It is. It connects to my car. It's great. (laughs) I love it. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining Thank me. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. I'm I'm honestly so, so grateful that you asked me to come on and talk Thank to you. you. And I'm sorry if I was incoherent at any point, but whatever. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no, you're totally fine. But I guess if people want to kind of like check out your work and yes. let, them, let them know where to follow you. I am at Kim Post on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't really use Twitter because, I mean, let's be honest, I'm a visual person. Um, <laughs> and then you can find my work online at KimPost.com. Yay! Yeah, definitely give her a look. But, all right, guys, that's it for now. And we'll talk to you at the next episode.